people are going to actually have to reach a higher level of consciousness. They're going to have to actually move up and think more about the complex problems that we need to solve in this world, whether it be within their enterprises or at a global level that can allow us to build a better world. So everyone, yes, is seeking a higher level of consciousness now because one, the uh, we are digitally fatigued. We have, for the last 10 years, um, been a part of the mobile revolution, right? So we are used to these devices at this point. But now we're really moving towards a, you know, a future where because of AI and all of the platforms that are commercializing AI in a way where it's allowing them to, one, make better sense of what people need, and one, how can you create more value for people? We are now in the position where we're going to see a flip. Uh, I think people at work are going to be more overseers and conductors and producers rather than task um, taskers, right? People who are completing, you know, very um, a manual tasks. They're going to more be overseeing processes, and because they're overseeing processes, it's going to challenge them to think even at a higher level. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Data Binge Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Russell, and today you are definitely going to enjoy the conversation and thought pieces myself and Tim Salau have to ideate and share upon. Tim, as you'll quickly come to know, is an extraordinarily gifted and hardworking community builder and currently a product manager at Microsoft in Redmond. He works with the customer care intelligence team, developing AI-powered bot frameworks to help customer service-oriented businesses create, deploy, and manage their bots through a broad suite of services, tools, and platforms. So think of all the different tools that a business may use on a day-to-day to heighten productivity. A super cool space if you've begun to take interest in bots, you should certainly reach out to Tim. We cover... A lot about building communities. Tim's a power user on LinkedIn and is the chief community lead for mentors and mentees, a community of about 6,000 members that helps with mentorship and professional stewardship on Facebook. Tim is also a tech evangelist and a career coach. We also touch upon content creation, what businesses should be thinking about if trying to productize new solution streams, which is a super hot topic nowadays especially in the enterprise, and Tim's favorite topic, the future of work. You'll find that we talk a lot about purpose, both personally and professionally, and why that's important. And most of all, I think you'll feel some of the great energy Tim has to share. This was probably the most energy and good spirit I've had on a show compared to any other episode. We just really had a great time and you'll feel it. If you haven't already, please rate the show on iTunes and leave some feedback about what you thought. Uh, That would help me tremendously as I'm looking to build out the show. Okay, here we are. Get ready. Let's go. Tim Salau. Tim Salau. Welcome to the podcast, friend. What's up, man? I'm happy to be on. I am ridiculously excited to have you on. <laughs> um, this, was, this has been something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, so mm-hmm. some simple context uh, for me and you. Um, I came upon your profile on LinkedIn when I was looking around. Um, I've been trying to invest as much time in LinkedIn as possible, building yeah. a personal brand. 
yada, 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 all the good stuff that everyone's trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think you follow, you liked something I posted and then... I probably, I probably did because you're so deep in the AI space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to be. And then you, you followed me. And I was like, this guy just followed me. And yeah. I, have, I think I have like 2,000 followers, like some, something that's very unimpressive. And I mm-hmm. went to your profile and you had 60,000 followers. And I was like, this dude is like a legend. <laughs> and he's following me. Why didn't he just connect? And I was Fol- like, this is such an followers, followers follow leaders. <laughs> yeah. Leaders so, follow leaders. That's how it is. Yeah, man. Well, you know, evidently, because now I follow you. <laughs> um, so I thought it was really interesting. And then I, I saw that we had some things in common. And I was just, I was just leaping for joy. I was like, wow, this guy. Yeah. Um, you went to the University of Texas in Austin. You got your same. master's there. I did. I went and got my MBA there uh, around the same time. You're now at Microsoft. You're interested in AI. I'm like, I got to mm-hmm. talk to this guy. Yeah. No, dude, it's crazy. Life is so quintessential. You're bald. I'm bald. <laughs> exactly. And we're not even getting into the racial stuff yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> we're, just, we're just staying there. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff there. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so... So let's let's go, man. Let's fire it off. Um, can you tell us how you got to Microsoft? Because your story is awesome. Absolutely. So I got to Microsoft. It's incredibly crazy I got to Microsoft because I wasn't even looking to work at Microsoft. But I'm so thankful I ended up here. So it was the summer of, well, not the summer, but it was around the second year of my grad school. Uh, when I was in University of Texas in Austin. And essentially, man, I was not looking for a job because I had school. I had multiple jobs <laughs> at the time. I was working at a startup that was actually doing lawn mowing. It's weird. Um, and I was also working at an advertising and marketing agency as an experience designer. And lastly, I was also doing a lot of community building organization work in the Austin area, working with nonprofits, thinking about how do we define their community strategy, thinking about how do we, you know, kind of redesign their um, the, the, their business structures and things like that. And I mean, really just doing a lot of schooling as well so I can make sure that I have my, you know, my ducks in a row and I can graduate, right? So spring 16, spring, yeah, spring 17, I think. And I, mean, I was busy, man. But at the same time, I was really, really active on sharing content and making sure that I showed my work online. So leveraging platforms like LinkedIn to whether it be document my journey and learning AI or I think the field is going or even highlighting some of the things I'm doing as a student. Um, because prior to that, I had just gotten an internship at Google um, like the last summer. And I was really documenting a lot about my student journey. And thankfully, man, one of the posts I shared about AI, literally one of the posts I shared on LinkedIn about AI, it it just, it caught storm. And one of the CVPs at Microsoft then reached out to me and said, hey, we're interested in potentially having you come on to our team and learn a little bit about the work that we're doing and the future of AI and some of the products that we're working on. And keep in mind, he shared this with me and it was December, 2017, December, 2017, he shared this with me. Next thing you know, it's February of 2018, and I'm at Microsoft interviewing with some of the people that were currently on the team at the time. So I met with some of the designers. I met with some of the PMs, and I also met with um, the, 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 
engineering team at the time, because by the time I got here at Microsoft, the team had changed, right? Because at Microsoft, there's always reorgs happening, yeah, right? Yeah. But when I was talking to them and discussing with them a little bit about my strengths and the value I believe I could bring to the table, I did feel at that time a lot of things clicked um, with me and the current team and the work that they were doing and unlocking conversational AI and potentially creating the next generation bot management platform that allow customer service representatives to be able to create, manage, and deploy bots across any customer-facing channel. I thought that was a really, really powerful vision. And at that time, too, the future computing, um, the white paper that we created at Microsoft had came out. So I read a lot of that literature before going into interviews and, you know, so I could better understand what what is Microsoft's big play and role within the AI space. And honestly, man, those interviews went amazing. Right. I, spot, I think I spoke to the right people. I shared the value that I be believed I could bring to the table. And after the interview, the next thing you know. They reached out to me, um, my, 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 my potential manager at the time reached out to me. He said, you know what? We think you'd be a better fit for a PM position, even though I came in interviewing for a design role, right? And I think that was really a crazy, crazy opportunity and, and, and blessing for me because I wanted a PM position. I knew that I was more of a, I was more geared to be a PM, but I don't think um, I felt as if I was interviewing any company that saw my value as a PM. But when I had those interviews with the people at Microsoft, I mean, I think it clicked. They knew where my strengths lied and they knew that I could bring my perspective and my background doing UX in the past and product design in the past to really think about, okay, where can we go with the product that we're working on, man? And that's literally how I got to Microsoft, man, based off of a LinkedIn post. <laughs> and that's like crazy, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's crazy and that's, that's hustle. And, you know, we see a lot of these folks like the Gary V's of the world and like the Keenan's of the world, all these people that are like, you know, talking about social media, but you literally did it through hard work, documentation, chronicling events in your life. And yeah. so what, what does that, what does a day look like for you as a student? Were you constant? I mean, let's just be real. You got 60,000 connections, AKA mm. or also known as followers, whatever you want to call it on, mm -hmm. on LinkedIn, you're a power user. You got mm -hmm. about, I'm a power user. You're a power user. You got almost 400 more than Brad Smith, who's number, <laughs> number two. Let's be real. Number two is I just saw him on CNBC yesterday talking about a $500 million investment in Seattle. And you know, you're coming over here. Like, that's a massive community. Brad Smith is on another level though. I love yeah, that guy. He, he's amazing, right? He's amazing. So like, what did that look like for you in that moment? Were you just like hoping for someone to see it? Were you just uh, posting different things, ideas? Um, I just want to get inside your head about what was going on in there when you were just trying to share these different articles and have these conversations. Honestly, man, I, I share, I create content because I have a perspective, right? I, I, I document because I have a perspective and I want to, I want to memorize the moments in my life that matter and potentially reach other people that can connect with me. That, that's why I share. So my intent when, you know, at the time in my life when I was a student, I was documenting my journey, what I was learning. I was doing what I was supposed to do. As a student, as anyone in life, you're supposed to document over time so you can memorize and think about how far you've come and also highlight some of the things that you're doing to grow. So with me, creation, content creation comes naturally, it comes very organically. So at that time, 
when I was really active on LinkedIn, when I got really active on LinkedIn two years ago and I was a grad student and I realized that I had to take control of my career and my process, I did it. I, I shared because I knew I had to. Like, no, you, you won't be able to survive in this world if you're not creating, if you're not putting um, what you know out there so people can, one, feel off of it, but also potentially repurpose it and bring in their own perspective so you all can create something to be better. So I was really interested in AI. I was really, really passionate about the AI industry. And I think more importantly, I knew that a lot of my perspective I wasn't reading about it, right? Usually when I read articles and literature, it's usually um, shared by people who are either coming in the industry or people who don't look like me, um, sadly. So I share because I know I have a perspective and LinkedIn and any of my social media is are just channels in which I can put forth and manifest my perspective. So a lot of people, I think, sometimes overcompensate and think too hard about sharing. Yeah. But with me, it's very organic because I'm like, well, I have a voice. And I have channels of communication and I know there's potentially people who either lie, disagree, which is even better and potentially can manifest and uh, um, collaborate with me on my perspective and carry forth that conversation, that discussion, right. That we all need to have. Right. And, and, you know, just looking at some of your content and you've inspired me a lot because when looking at the things that you're doing, you're very casual and you're very open and you're very energetic and it's not like you're not coming out of a place of fear. Yeah. And um, I've, I've been driven out of fear the majority of my life. Fear, fear of failing, fear of not being mm-hmm. the best, com- competition. So I'm looking at some of the stuff that you're doing and there's no fear there. It's just openness and growth mm-hmm. and connection mm-hmm. and, and honestly love because you're, you're helping other people grow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, so, that's the new LinkedIn. That's the, I mean, I yeah. think that's, that's, that's the new everything, man. Yeah. That's the new everything. No one, I mean, you got to bring your most authentic self to work, especially on a platform such as LinkedIn. A lot of people are scared. And that's because, you know, either their workplace doesn't condone it to like be open, yeah. be their authentic authentic selves, or they don't even have their voice. Uh, with me, man, I mean, I know who I am. I know what I bring to the table. And I'm thankfully working in an environment such as Microsoft that encourages and enables people to be their authentic selves, no matter where they're at, online, offline, um, at home, at work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, before having this uh, talk with you, um, I listened to the podcast that you did humans 2.0 with Mark Metry, um, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. And you guys got deep into purpose and you got deep into the why, and you, you talked a little about mission and you talked about all these different things and it was just, it was just great. It was really yeah. listen and I'll, I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes so folks can access that. So we're not going to talk about the same stuff or steer in that direction. I'd like to focus it more on, you know, not everyone has these, these ideas, man. Not, mm-hmm. not everyone thinks this way. Mm. Um, and I really think it started listening to how you grew up coming here to Houston from Nigeria and listening to a little bit about your parents and how your mm. parents, uh, the collectivist um, culture in Africa. Um, I'd really like to talk more about what home life was for you. Because um, I'm telling you, you have a, you have a very, your psychology is, is very beautiful and it's very, family oriented and it's very empathetic. So can can you talk about what that was like, what that was like the community growing up in that household and maybe we can learn a bit more about that from there. I will have to say I had a humble, I had a very humble, um, a very humble growth process. I think I've 
up to this point in my life, I'm incredibly thankful to even be in this position to be talking to you, man. Um, because honestly, none of this was great guaranteed, right? So growing up for me, man, having parents that moved from Africa because they won a lottery to come to America was one, a humbling experience. And sometimes when I think about my life story, I always start there due to the fact that that was, I think, the change that led to me being here, right? Me working at Microsoft as a product manager, me really loving to be a creator and understanding that community not it's not a it's not a it's not a, a brand thing, it's a purpose thing, right? Um, growing up with me, man, having a family that one was very vested in the church. I have a church background, even though I'm not as religious, I'm more spiritual. Uh, I saw my dad every day, every single day, get prepped right? Be prepared to speak, evangelize. And to a degree, him, my mom, and my sisters, um, being the older of three and having two younger sisters who look up to me now, but as we were growing up, I was a rebel, <laughs> right? I was the older one. I was the one that's, that was new to America and really absorbing all of the things that America had to offer, such as a, a more structured um, education system, even though that's not the best, it was way better than Africa's, right? A environment such as Houston, Texas, where I grew up, which allowed for more than enough opportunity to learn about the arts, to join sports, uh, to be a part of little leagues or, you know, play basketball, be about part of youth basketball leagues, and more importantly, to connect and learn from different people who were Hispanics, who were, you know, who grew, who were Black Americans and maybe didn't necessarily relate to being African, right? Who were also Muslim, right? Or who were Indian and who were also Asian, right? I, I grew up in an area in Houston that was really a cultural, cultural melting pot, pot, and I went to schools that allowed me to get perspectives from people who who never, who didn't look like me and who probably didn't understand my culture. So with me growing up, I was always surrounded by people, of course, right? And more importantly, I always emphasized that community was important because when I transitioned to America, what my parents had was community. That's literally how they were able to adapt and eventually even make a humble living that they have, they, they, the, the humble living that they have today. So growing up for me was always about like, okay, going to the church, seeing how that community impacted our lives, right? The people that we, my mom, my dad and my mom evangelized to and found, you know, a connection with. And then when I went to school, learning from all of these different perspectives who come from different communities themselves, right? Which is students who came from Asia, from um, South America. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So I was, I've, I've always been around community in a sense. And I think that's always informed the lens in which I see life through. And now I'm at a point in my life where, you know, I take all of that context and now I, I evangelize about it and I do, I do what it is that I love to do, which is building community. Awesome. I mean, I, you can, I mean, that's, that's not, that's very special. It's very, very unique. Um, and it, it just makes a ton of sense. And I, I love how you brought up purpose. You, you, you've brought that up to me in the past. You brought that up on other podcasts. Um, you have a specific algorithm and way that you craft, <laughs> like what you're, you like, you have a, like an equation about your purpose and you, yeah, and it's like a mantra for you. Um, so I'd love you to share a little bit about your purpose and mm -hmm. love to start talking about how that begins to get into the products and the design 
mm. the teamwork and the technology that you're doing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my purpose is to strengthen the bonds that people share through empathic and compassionate action. Now, a lot of people don't have purpose statements for themselves, which is fine. But I, I, I highly encourage people to really think about it, to really, really think about it and potentially declare their own purpose statement. So that's my purpose statement. I repeat it to myself every day. It is my mantra. And what's more, what's more interesting is how I reached that purpose statement, right? And I literally realized it two years ago. I kid you not. I realized it two years ago in the bedroom of my sad and lonely one-bedroom Austin apartment. And I was thinking to myself, you know, man, like, let me let me do an audit. I did a self-assessment of what am I good at? You know, not necessarily what am I called here to do, but what am I good at? What do people tell me I'm good at? What are my gifts? What are some things I'm naturally just inclined to do? Um, and that interests me. And, I, you know, I just, I really did that self-assessment. I wrote in my journal. <laughs> I could literally show you the journal. And then I realized, you know what? The, the common thread in my life up to that point was the fact that I was really, really effective at building relationships and more importantly, at a higher level, building community, bringing people together. Um, even though in college, I was not the guy that, you know, was part of every community organization. And I wasn't the guy that was, you know, the, 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 the leader in every situation more so. But I actually had a gift that I had yet to unlock when it came to bringing people together and allowing them to see the commonalities between each of them, right? So that's how I really came to my purpose statement by really being alone, isolating myself. Now, when it comes down to what I see or how it aligns to the products that we build here um, within the customer care intelligence team at Microsoft, for me, man, product building, you have to build a community in order for a product to be successful. So with our product that we're building, which would be the bot management platform that all enterprise customers will be able to use, we have to really think who is our audience, right? Who is the community that we're speaking to? And for us, those are customer service reps. So when it comes down to building products and understanding, okay, how does my lens of community affect the product? I truly believe that if you are trying to incubate a successful product, if you're trying to, one, build a product that people love, you have to think from the community's perspective. You have to be community obsessed and customer obsessed, right? And that's how you you build and launch a successful product and mature it in the market. So I I really like how you started to, talk about it from a customer's perspective because i mm-hmm. i'm all about the the, the customer obsession and yeah like, we all know like bezos he was the, <laughs> the man like let's not lie here you know he was he was all about the customer because i think what he was saying is competitors um you can't like competitors are always one step behind customers are always one step above you know like they're mm-hmm. always ahead of you so mm-hmm. i like how like you they're thinking about the community of people in the customer care intelligence world. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think about the community for, and going back to product management, I suppose, when you're thinking about the way that you cultivate this platform with these like engineers and design folks and mm-hmm. how, what is, what does that community look like today? And what are some things that you learn about that community and how you've added value to it based upon your perspectives? Mm. So you're talking about the spaces of the, the communities of design, product people, you know, what is it about that community that I align with? Yeah. The, the halls of Microsoft, like the job, the halls you, of Microsoft. The job that you do today, the meetings you got, the meetings you go into, yeah. like, you, you know, you're, you have this big following, you have people that are listening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you have some great leadership in the community. 
Um, like, how does this work in the confines of these teams that you're building this these products um, for customers well, for? Well, I'm I'm very early in my career, so I am at a point where I'm absorbing and I'm learning like crazy, and my my boss, our PM team, our leadership team. Um, within our customer care intelligence unit, they're incredibly, incredibly wise people who have done this before, whether from a strategic lens and, and bringing products to market or optimizing them to be successful, or even, um, you know, or have mentored others who've done, who, who, or have mentored others who haven't done this before, right? So mm-hmm. I literally come to the table humble. Um, I am to a degree a thought leader in terms of community building and, you know, thinking about products, but I am still very much aware that I have much more to learn. So Mm -hmm. when I come to work, I mean, the most important thing for me is I humble myself and understanding that I am one perspective at the table. And although I encourage being a consensus consensus builder and and being someone that, you know, thinking that's thinking future forward, you still have to be open-minded. So one of the biggest things I've learned from our team here of designers and PMs and engineers is that, man, their perspective is highly valuable. The, the way that they see problems, right? An engineer doesn't see problems the way a designer sees problems. Mm-hmm. A PM formulates requirements, can formulate the strategy, but they see problems a completely different way, either at a system, systemic level, right? And thinking you know, across, okay, what does the business need and what does the user need? While a designer is thinking, what does the user feel, right? What is the goals that the user is trying to achieve, right? While an engineer feels, thinks, okay, how do we scale this, one, whatever we're building, and more importantly, how do we structurally build something that, one, actually decreases our um, engineering debt, right, and allows us to, one, optimize what this experience would be over time, and actually build upon it, right, and I think, you know, understanding how I bring my voice to the table and how I can learn from our PMs and being better at defining requirements, being better at being customer-obsessed, and actually, you know, adopting that ownership mentality to all the feature areas and programs that I'm driving. It's been, it's been one of the biggest things I've learned from our PM team. Um, and most importantly, the other biggest thing I've learned from our designers and just everyone here at Microsoft is the fact that you have to bring your full self to the table. You have to be, bring your perspective to the table and define your own path. Uh, it's encouraged here, which I love. And I think it's why I've been able to find a, a powerful and strong community that I can identify with here. Awesome, man. Um, and then what, so you, so you come to the table with this purpose mm-hmm. and you're very, very grounded in this purpose mm-hmm. and with these, these folks, uh, you know, the, the top notch people who are designing these products. And I've heard a lot yeah. of these, I've heard a lot of these, 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 uh, about these products before we've kind of pitched to some customers about, um, bot frameworks and what they're doing under the umbrella of dynamics and all these different things at the product level at Microsoft. Um, so that's, that's, that's one node coming from you. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed anything about the purpose of others? Is there a pattern that you've seen that is yeah. successful? Like, can you tell us a little bit more about like your observations about the purpose of others and how that differentiates from yours? Well, you know, I, I often, I don't have these, I haven't had these conversations a lot at Microsoft. But I will say that everyone here, um, there we have a shared purpose at Microsoft, right? Within the one Microsoft umbrella, and at this point, it's to be be customer obsessed. What does the customer need? Whether it be they're more developer oriented or they're more citizen oriented, and they don't have a, a deep development background, right? So within 
within the, the, the work that we do here on the customer care intelligence team and some of the internal initiatives that we're driving um, under our one bot initiative and ensuring that the conversational AI tech that we're building across the spectrum is extensible and accessible so that any outward user, any customer that wants to use any of our conversational AI tech can easily, you know, um, switch between any tool to use it, right? We really think about what is their workflow like? What is their experience like? So, you know, when, when I think about the purpose that I see in people and what drives them to do their work here day by day, I see that it's this overwhelming, I think, passion for really meeting the needs of the customer, for meeting the needs of the customer and allowing them to empower empower their own workflow, Right or take ownership of their own workflow in a sense where they feel pride in the work that they do and they can they can augment whatever business process or whatever um, um, task it is that they're trying to do and not have to worry about it ever again, right? So we, I mean, it's really within our mission, I think a very, when I see people here, they literally think from that perspective, how do I build a general purpose tool or a dev-oriented tool that allows someone else to be better at their work. And I mean, I love that mindset. And so that, that shared purpose, I see is something that everyone I talk to at Microsoft identifies with and I love. Now, when I think comes down to individual purpose, I've met people here at Microsoft who bring their individual purpose to work. And what they really, really do that I think is amazing is they find a way to tie in their individual purpose and Microsoft's purpose and Microsoft's mission, whether it be them, one, volunteering, for benefits um, under Microsoft Give, right? Or, um, you know, initiatives under Microsoft Give or finding ways to bring, you know, their love for mentorship to work in designing mentorship programs for their team, right? Those are, you know, other ways that people bring their individual purpose to their work that I really, really love as well. I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge perspective, Tim. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get to walk the halls of Microsoft and I, I don't get to work on those teams that are actually building yeah. this stuff. But yeah. I love hearing, I love hearing about this. And there's, there's so many companies out there and I'm a big fan of Ray Dalio and Ray Dalio is always talking about the two biggest things that are most important about a company. It's culture and people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just, that's what, that's what Microsoft's all about. A lot of big tech companies are like that. You're going to see the Bain's company and a lot of those consulting companies are about that as well and they um, have to be we have to be yeah you have to be you have to you have to grow your people so they can do better for the customers yeah yeah um so i'm starting to think about what other businesses are doing and other businesses especially our customers are trying to build platforms mm -hmm. um, i'm i on a database a day-to-day -day basis talk to these businesses who are more service businesses. They have a lot of assets. Their assets are people, but they're yeah. realizing that they want to become software companies. Mm -hmm. um, and every, and just like what Satya Nadella says, every, every business is going to become a software business. Every, every business is going to be an AI first business at some point. Yeah. They so have to have develop this, that tech intense, intensity. intensity. Yeah, yeah. It's like this, this As Satya calls it. very like simple, like tech intensity equation. I can never remember mm -hmm. what it is, but it's like, it sounds great. <laughs> you know, it sounds just like yes, tech intensely. Let's do it. Let's go to the gym now and try to pick it up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, like, what what do you think? If just taking a step back out of this beautiful cloud that you're in right now, no pun intended, um, customers, businesses, people that are trying to build products, 
Mm-hmm. What do you think they should be focusing on? Um, if they want to get into the product game, they want to get into the software game. Um, they're, they're, they have, maybe they have some legacy thoughts. Is it mm-hmm. about the culture and people? Is it about finding the purpose, tying the purpose together? Is it mm. high level? Is it lower level at the, you need a designer, you need a UX guy. Mm. What is that? That's what a do you great think? question. Yeah. Cause I, and people want to know that cause a lot of people are trying to do this and it's, it's hard. I think that's a great question. And I have a follow-up question for you. Are you thinking more, are we thinking of early stages or because you know, there's also a growth cycle to companies, right? Mm-hmm. So w- w- my perspective on that would be is that if you're a company that you are trying to develop a product or you're trying to become a service company, um, platform company, any, any company you're trying to create immense value for your customer in order to productize anything um what you're what you're really looking to do is making sure that one uh, from a business perspective costs are low right and you're able to deliver something to market that's highly valuable and people will need people will say oh there's some there's a reason why i need to purchase your product i need to have it apart have it become a part of my enterprise tool toolkit or integrated within my enterprise uh, uh, um, um tool stack right there's a reason why it exists so with me i think the most important thing actually for any company that's trying to come into market and, and create a product, create a platform is that you really have to frame what problem are you trying to solve for the customer? Um, that's the most important thing because if you can rally the people that work within your organization around that problem that you're trying to solve for the customer and the industry that you're in and why it's such a bad problem, why, why, why your people should be passionate about solving that problem for the customer, I think that way you'll be able to think about, okay, what technology matters that can solve this platform or problem or how do we go about approaching this problem? Um, I really think about it, you know, you have to think about it from a, a problem and solution standpoint, right? If there are problems out there in the market and you feel as if you need to do more for your customer in order to address that problem, you have to do that. You have to do that. You have to think about how do I position, how do you position your business to be better for them? That's literally, that. that is literally, when I think about business in a simple sense, it's a matter of solving problems. And I think, you know, if, whether it be you're a legacy company or you're really a startup in your early stages, um, one thing that Microsoft really does a great job of is across enterprise, small business, startup. We have a wide variety of tools from AI tools to, um, you know, software as a service platforms that allow anybody, anybody to come in and literally onboard their teams, onboard um, their, their engineers and leverage our technology in order to push things ahead, right, within their, within their um, workforce. And more importantly, create tools, create products that really service their customers and solve the problems that matter the problems that matter and there are high value. And I think that's the most important thing companies need to do now. Cause I think there's a lot of companies that are trying to solve problems that people one don't really have as a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So they're off or they're trying to solve problems and they don't, they haven't actually figured out an approach that works because they're not, they're not doing enough iterative testing. They're not doing enough gut checking. Right. They're not really thinking across the market and saying, okay, what are our competitors doing that we can augment or better yet, tweak and allow it to inform our product strategy. I mean, very simple. I mean, the way that you pose it, um, it's just you're you got to think about the customer and you got to think about the problem. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think what's happening is it's like FOMO. 
you know, pe- people want to digitize. People want to get digital because they know they have to. Mm-hmm. And if you know that you have to, if you know you have to lose weight, it's not going to be as fun to lose weight unless there's a specific reason that you, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, I think it's unhealthy, so I should lose weight versus I have a marathon I got to run in 90 days. I'm going to get married in 90 days. I got to lose this weight. So like you're saying that really focusing on these specific priorities, these problematic priorities based upon the customer is the number one thing that these companies should focus on. And then they worry about the technology, the people, all those different things later. Yes. Focus on the problem. Rally. If you focus on the problem and then rally your people around the problem and then think about how the technology can help solve the problem, that's where you win as a business. That's where you achieve the most. That's where you're able to empower people to do more and, you know, and then leverage Microsoft technology to even do more and more yeah. and more. And more. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's, that's, I think we need more businesses approaching productizing or building products from a problem lens products solve problems mm-hmm. that's what they do and then so now i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna teeter-totter i'm gonna go into this other area that you love talking about which is this future of work concept <laughs> that's my, <laughs> man that's my thing brother <laughs> i thought i was gonna have to bleep you for a second <laughs> yeah it's it's you're always talking about future work and when you're oh talking about this right now you're literally, you're talking about problems and all I can think about is workforce. Oh I'm, my God. I'm so, I think me and you are both very interested in workforce and hiring and like yeah. how to empower people, whether it be at home, like com- commuting to a, a, like different spaces and ecosystems that people are working in. Mm-hmm. So what comes to mind for you when I say future of work? Oh my God. What comes to mind when you say that, <laughs> my friend, it has to be that we work to live, not live to work. Okay, we work to live, not live to work. The future of work is literally about positioning people to pursue work that leaves them fulfilled every single day. People are not in this position right now. And it saddens me because they have all of the resources they have. They can muster enough effort to really put themselves in the position of the future of work. Um, the future of work is alive in the world. I often in my LinkedIn posts, I'm saying the future of work is coming. The future of work is coming. And, uh, I, I actually do that because there's a lot of people who, who, who actually don't realize that it's already here. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying it's coming, um, in a very kind of, uh, in a way to say, Hey, catch up. Like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's actually going to come in a bigger wave soon, but it's already here. We're, we're actively living in it and it, it requires us to be more of creators producers and understanding what roles do we fit in and what opportunities do we want fuse together that allow us to live the life that we want to live, that we feel as if, oh, this is me. This is me bringing, bringing my full purpose to bear and being happy in the work that I do. And, and I think, uh, and, and all of this, this entire conversation, I think, is leading up to this very conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that all really starts with being very introspective, right? And figuring out whether it be a mission or whether it be a purpose. Um, you know, Tony Robbins is always talking about the, the only difference between work and play is purpose. Mm. But like the only difference between not liking your job or not liking work or liking it rather now or in the future is what are you trying to do? What are you aspiring to be? What are you passionate about? All these different questions. Um, 
do you think that's changing generationally? Do you think it's because we're, we're entering this new, this new um, world of, you know, people are meditating and people are trying to stay in the moment. We're battling technology and there's, there's issues with screen time and people are really asking those tough questions and, not, and seeking this higher level self and not this lower level human self of acting upon emotions and just doing what they think they should do to survive. Like, what do you think is stimulating the future of the work? The future of work. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a great question. Wow. That's, I, you know, no one has asked me that question yet. Uh, and this is why I always love chatting with you, brother. Uh, you always ask the thoughtful questions, the tough questions. So the way I would answer this, because this is the first time someone's ever asked me this, my friend, is to, <laughs> is to, is to, I think all of the things you said, yes, they're informing the future of work. But I think the most powerful thing, the most stimulating thing is the fact that, one, change has to come. Change has to come. Uh, the way we thought of and, – and change has to come in, 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 in addition to where, where the, in the fourth industrial revolution is, is headed, right? So if we're going to eventually be in this position where technology is working on our behalf and we have the tools – to do whatever it is that we need to do. Uh, we have the Facebooks to, you know, drive advertising. We have the LinkedIn's to, you know, help us get coaching clients and, you know, build our personal brands. We have um, bot management platforms um, such as the Azure bot service that you can embed within your operation, your customer service. So you can drive intelligent operations across the board within your enterprise. If we're going to be really moving towards that position and work, then people are going to actually have to reach a higher level of consciousness. They're going to have to actually move up yeah, and yeah. think more about the complex problems that we need to solve in this world, whether it be within their enterprises or at a global level that can allow us to build a better world. So everyone, yes, is seeking a higher level of consciousness now because one, the, um, we are digitally fatigued. We have, for the last 10 years, um, been a part of the mobile revolution. Right. So we are used to these devices at this point. But now we're really moving towards a, you know, a future where because of AI and all of the platforms that are commercializing AI in a way where it's allowing them to, one, make better sense of what people need. And one, how can you create more value for people? We are now in the position where we're going to see a flip. Uh, I think people at work are going to be more overseers and conductors and producers rather than tasks, um, taskers, right? People who are completing, you know, very um, a manual tasks, they're going to more be overseeing processes. And because they're overseeing processes, it's going to challenge them to think even at a higher level into, okay, how do you connect the dots between operational efficiencies, right? How do you use the tools that you have in your arsenal to create operations that actually are automated, right? And that flow without you ever having to push a button, right? And due to that, we're going to also see, you know, I think it's happening outside of work and it's coming into work, right? With the, 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 the Alexas and the Google assistants where all you have to do is ask, Hey, Google, when's my package coming? And you'll be able to know when Amazon's delivering your package to your door, or you can ask Alexa that, right? So that same behavior, you're going to start seeing that, you know, come into the enterprise in which 
you know, you can ask a, a, a Cortana device that's sitting right next to you um, at your table, hey, you know, when's my next meeting? And you're operating with it as if, okay, it should know your day, right? Or it should know what tasks you have coming on your plate. Or it should know, you know, what are the fires that you need to, you know, <laughs> you need to burn out, right? Yeah. Or you need to water down um, that are coming up, right? Or it's, it should be taking meeting notes for you when someone comes into your room and they want to have a quick meeting, a quick chat with you, you can immediately tell it, hey, Cortana, record this, right? And save it for me later, right? We're, we're going to be in this in this position where we don't have to do a lot of the thinking, um, the day-to-day thinking that, that comes to getting our job done, right? The computers are doing that for us. And we are more so overseeing the process and thinking across the board on how do we make things more productive. So I think that the, the fact that that change is coming and the fact that the industrial, um, um, the fourth industrial revolution is coming in a big way, and it's it's really almost already here at, at its early phases, mm-hmm. that's what's driving the future of work for me, man. Because people are going to be in these positions where they're overseeing processes. They're not doing the remedial work. I, I love it, man. And I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I could have a conversation just about the future of work because I, I see it every day. Like there's certain things that just cause us pain, you know, logging into stuff, mm-hmm. um, figuring out where to, keep, where to put data. Like, where am I going to save this video right now? We're taking yeah. podcasts. How's it going to, like, focusing on those things versus focusing on this conversation. And yeah. you're, it's a different race. You know, it's, it, it's like you're, you're using your brain to swim and, and swim gracefully versus, you know, using your brawn to move a bunch of, you know, rocks off the ground. It's just a completely different exercise for the brain. And I, I'm obsessed with learning. I love learning. Mm-hmm. Um, the future of work for me personally, when I think about this, I, I don't know if you've ever seen um, uh, The Matrix, um, when Keanu Reeves is, is, is hooked up into this machine and Morpheus comes along. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, he's, he comes up to him and Morpheus or uh, uh, Keanu Reeves looks at him and like gets unplugged and goes, I know Kung Fu. Mm. And like he just like downloaded Kung Fu and like he, all, he knew it. Like, so it, it's amazing how we can start downloading all this different information and the, the better we can download, the faster we can learn, um, the more we can start exercising a higher level of thought um, yeah. together and building upon that together. So it's all about learning faster, man. I want to learn. I want to know how to learn faster personally. That's like my dream. Mm, No. Um, And and there's a lot of great courses about that on YouTube and and LinkedIn learning, which is one of my, some of my favorite learning platforms. I think, you know, one to add to that, one of my favorite ways of learning faster is conversations such as this, right? Meeting people uh, from different backgrounds and asking them some of the tough questions you have or you think, um, or, or you think exists within their space. I think those are some of the, for me, the fastest way of learning and, and more, even more important than learning is connecting the dots between yeah. things that um, don't seem connected. And, you know, that, that's really fun for me, whether it be, you know, from the future of work to how that's affecting social media, right. To the future of work and how that's being driven by AI. Right. I think, you know, I, I always encourage people to, when you, if you want to thrive in the future of work, you have to be a connector. You have to be a creator. You have to be, you have to be someone that's, that's literally thinking about how do I problem solve? How do I create more value? Because really those soft skills of better communication, better elicitation, better problem solving, better collaboration, those are the skills that you're really going to have to rely, rely on in the future. It's, 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 you know, your technical aptitude 
it, it can be okay. But if yeah. you're if you're if you're able to see problems and solve them and, and one rally around the right people to solve a problem, yeah. oh, you're going to be on another level in the future of work. Yeah, finding finding the right people to rally around the problems or knowing them or, or knowing how to connect with them quickly and and getting them to solve the problem. I, I definitely agree. So we, we need a we need a glass of ice water on the face to get rid of this this intense <laughs> conversation. Um, are you a, are you a big sci-fi movie fan? I love sci-fi movies. All right. I wish I, I wish I wish I wasn't so busy. I would watch more of them. I know. Well, here we go. I'm gonna hit you. Um, if you can be any character of any sci-fi movie, mm. who would you be and why? Will Smith in what was that? In Will Smith in either Wild Wild West or that other robot movie he was in. I, is it iRobot or iRobot? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Smith and iRobot. <laughs> I love Will Smith, man. That's my dog. <laughs> so, what, what, why? Just just because it's Will Smith, is that your why? <laughs> well, like, you know, Will, Will Smith is on his next level, next level, man. Will Smith is he's a uh, he's I think he's a really accomplished guy, and I think iRobot was a great movie. Uh, it, it's very dystopic, but yeah. I, I mean, he 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 had the moves in that movie, and it speaks to a little bit about where we could go if we made the wrong decisions. That movie. I love it, man. So what what's next for you? Um, in the next 12, 18 months or whatever, um, whatever you think that timeline looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and how could folks get a hold of you? Well, what's immediate for me is one, ensuring that we launch our product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> market, yeah. The, the product that we're working on within our, job. Yeah. yeah, within our customer care intelligence team. And for those who are listening to this podcast, please um, reach out if you want to learn more about our customer care intelligence team and the work that we're doing and building the next virtual agent platform for enterprise companies, please, please reach out. Uh, That's what's immediate for me right now. And beyond that, outside of work, I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements, um, a lot of thought leadership around community building, the future of work, and also within the AI space. Uh, And I'm always looking for speaking engagements in the Seattle community and at Broad. Uh, And also to collaborate with people who are doing really, really great things. Um, Derek is one of my favorite collaborators. We collaborate on LinkedIn, off LinkedIn. Um, People, I'm looking for people like Derek. That's what I'm looking for (laughs) within the next um, 12 12 months. So that's really what's on my plate right now. And more importantly, I'm also a career coach. Um, uh, Talk about the future of work. I have many jobs. (laughs) All right. I'm I'm also a career coach. So if anyone that's listening to this podcast within Microsoft, outside of Microsoft, Hit me up if you need any coaching and, you know, you want to create more clarity around where you want to go in your career. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Well, Tim, this has been an honor and a ton of fun. I'll go ahead and I'll put some of your, the ways to contact you, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram in the show notes. And I'm sure folks will reach out. Um, I think you tagged me in a post yesterday and my, my profile viewership went up 130%. Are you (laughs) serious? Apparently, I'm famous now because you hooked me up. So, wow, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm sure people will reach out. I'm looking forward to doing more with you, man. Dude, appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you so much. All right, man. Talk to you soon. One Microsoft. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at the 
The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.